Welcome to When Daniel Met Rich. I'm Rich. I'm Daniel. Let's get to know each other. You can find us on Facebook at When Daniel Met Rich. You can find us on Twitter at WDMR Podcast. You can email us at When Daniel Met Rich at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, like and subscribe. And our Instagram is When Daniel Met Rich, and it has just gone live with the first picture. Real things are happening there. Yeah. It's so exciting. And I'm about to launch big time, so let me know what you want to see, whether it be Lego sets, showcases, mm-hmm. perspective photos yeah. of the Den of Bricks, um, all kinds of stuff stirring around in the noodle. So let us know what you'd like to see yes. on there. Speaking so. speaking of the email. Yes, the email. We finally got an email. Yay! So we're going to do a mailbag segment for our first email. So, what do we got? Note from Melissa Phelps to your Facebook page. I don't think I'm going to read this whole thing out. Thanks for making me giggle and com- and uh, and keeping it completely unsuitable for any other work environment. Hugs from Rich's sister, Melissa Phelps. P.S. Don't listen to Rich about biology. And that is fair. No. <laughs> that is completely fair. I wasn't about to ask him about biology. But Especially then I was from my like, sister. My sister is a environmental science. Yeah. Person. She works at a university on a research lab. Oh. With, she's following a genome in fruit flies because they have such a short lifespan uh-huh. that she can study generations Ooh. and mark different uh, genes. So she's way smarter than any of us. Pretty much. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Now, speaking of biology and not asking you about anything about biology, how are babies made? Um, With a wiener? Mm-hmm. And a hoo ha, from and what I understand. All right. Well, one of those apparently is a, they intermingle, uh, and then um, one of those products. If you, you want to see demonstrations, just Google it online. There's plenty of uh, wieners and hoo ha's. Yes. Type that in wieners yeah. and hoo ha's. Let us know what you find. Let us know what you find. <laughs> send us an email and let us know what the Google search for wieners and hoo ha's send yes. up. And um, Melissa was right. No one should ask should ask you about biology. Absolutely not. No, no, that was terrible. Okay. Yes. I liked it I, though. I have I have like sporadic knowledge of biology, but my sister is far more knowledgeable mm-hmm. than I am. I know a guy named Oscar Meyer who can get you uh, wieners all nice. the time. He has a wiener mobile, which that must be for making the bigger babies. Yeah, drive that bad boy down a highway. Exactly. Or down a hallway until he finds the hoo ha truck. Anyway. <laughs> That'd be funny if the Wienermobile had an accident with a hostess truck that was loaded with ding dongs. <laughs> Wieners and ding dongs clash on I 95. That's anyway. what God calls a loophole. Yeah. <laughs> we said uh, so nice. immediately. Um, just to clarify that this isn't really a PG 13 podcast, like we're trying to make Nerd <laughs> Archive. We're talking yes. about fucking. We're doing a lot of innuendos with sex yeah. penises because uh, the wiener is the penis. The hoo-ha is definitely a vagine, gina Let's that is a place that you put the. We'll and then um, it's so funny because you take that 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 Oscar Minor Minor that Oscar Meyer wiener truck that mobile and it just rams in the back of the hostess. And the sheer pressure of it just shoots a crap ton of cream out the front of the cab, and it just blasts through, and then all of a sudden, babies rise from the gravel (laughs) asphalt of the highway. That was a hell of an elevator pitch. 
we really have to sell that one to Bloomhouse. No, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. God, yes. I'm and pretty it, sure there's an episode of lore somewhere about this. I'm sure. Started and I'm sure. In 2,000 years, so. babies will be born of highways. Yes. When they try to hide the real birthing mechanisms because uh, Disney bought everything and they're too sensitive to let everyone know how real life works. Yeah. Well, the children must be protected. It must be protected. It must be protected. Please think of the children. Exactly. Which is why the other show is going more PG-13. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're striving for G, but we'll settle for PG-13. Exactly. Anyway. May I interject so. one more time? Sure. This episode is brought to you by Oscar Mayer Wieners and Hostess. <laughs> Not really. Not, Not really. really at all. Enjoy the cream. <laughs> it's closer brought to you by DH Games. Anyway. <laughs> Are you proud of me? I didn't make one Idol Heroes reference the entire last episode. Uh, you should be proud of me. If anyone knows what Idol Heroes is, <laughs> even at this point. if they, What if people listen to WDMR and don't listen to the Nerd Archive? Well, you should. Go there and yeah, do it. Go listen to Jeez, it. Jeez, guys. Should we get to a topic or something at some Maybe. point? Yes. I mean, I'm going to drink water. Yeah. We segued earlier there with movies when your movie pitch was going, and that's kind of what I was going to talk to about today. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago, while I was donating platelets and plasma, everyone, if you have the ability, please donate platelets and plasma. It saves lives. Um, I was watching Stranger, with Fic Stranger Than Fiction, mm -hmm. a Will Ferrell movie, pretty old movie. I want to say it was like 2001, something like that. Um, in this movie, he plays an IRS agent who all of a sudden starts hearing a voiceover in his head. So there's narration going on about his life and the experiences he's having. Mm -hmm. And it's he's like, you know, he looks like a crazy person as he's out on the street going, hello, looking up at the sky. Hey there. And uh, at the same time, a writer played by. Emma Thompson. Professor right. Trelawney. Yes. From Harry Potter. Yes. Continue. And, and you know, um, Nanny McPhee and just stellar actress. She's in, mm -hmm. like, almost everything. A lot of anyway, things. Yeah. Um, she is playing a writer who is writing about an IRS agent mm -hmm. who dies. Mm -hmm. And so she references his imminent death in the narration, and this is what freaks him out. Yeah. <laughs> So the brief synopsis of this is that he goes to a psychologist and he says, I'm not crazy. I'm hearing this narration. And the psychologist is and he's like, what do you suggest? The psychologist is like, I suggest antipsychotics. He's like, I'm not crazy. What else do you suggest? I'm not taking <laughs> antipsychotics. And they got and she goes, I would contact a literary expert. <laughs> so he goes to the local college and finds the professor of literature and tells him what he's been experiencing. And so the literary expert, played by Dustin Hoffman, excellent. Oh. Yes. He hook, he hook, comes hook, up with a hook, bunch of hook, 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 hook. Sorry. Yes. I've had an epiphany. Mm. My life is over. Anyway, <laughs> so um he starts asking questions to try and find out what type of story this guy is in. So that he can try and track down the author. Have to fly. Which have to fight. Have to, to crow, crow. Have to save Maggie. Have to save Jack. Hook is back. Sorry, we weren't <laughs> done. I, j I couldn't not. Sorry. Uh, all right. Continue. Sorry. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, Brian needs a Nerf gun to All start right, shooting us when we get off. Please just don't start topic. chanting Rufio because that's not Dustin Hoffman. Rufio! Anyway. God damn it. Anyway, so eventually he does track down this author. He calls her and references things that she's written because he's heard it in the narration in his head. And she's the only person who's been writing and the book. And she's the only person who's been writing the book and, and read it and knows. It. Yep. So... This brought about an interesting philosophical idea. If you're writing mm-hmm. a story in which your main character dies and then you find out that everything you've written is real, can you, in good conscience, continue to write that story and kill that character? Because here's the bit of it is that when she meets him and she knows that everything she's writing is real... She now has a sense of guilt mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because she feels like she is actively killing this person. It's true. Now, she gives him a copy. She gives him the only copy of the manuscript for him to read. He can't bring himself to read it, so he gives it to Dustin Hoffman, the literary expert. Right. Dustin Hoffman reads it, and he calls... He calls Will Ferrell, the IRS agent, and they meet, and he's like, it's a masterpiece, but you have to die (laughs) for it to be a masterpiece. (laughs) And so he's, he gives it back to the IRS agent, who then reads it. He rides around on a bus reading this manuscript. Now, in the course of all this, he's living his life. He's going on with his life and everything. He meets a girl, gets interested in the girl, Uh starts a relationship with her and Uh everything. And so his life is finally kicking off. And then he reads the manuscript. And he takes it back to her and he goes, thank you. Go ahead and publish it. Knowing that if it's published as is, he will die. Yes. Well, she gets the manuscript back, and she edits a little. And then she publishes it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this time, instead of dying, he's saved. He's broken. He's The whole thing was that his... The story follows him and his wristwatch. Yeah. And his wristwatch is sentient almost in this narration. Right. So at one point his watch gives out and just completely resets. So then he asks somebody standing by him, "Do you have the time?" and the guy goes, "I have 8:17." Well, that man's watch is 3 minutes fast. And because his watch is 3 minutes fast, instead of being almost late for the bus like he is every day, now he's early. And so a kid is riding a bike. He pushes the kid out of the way and gets hit by the bus instead. And that's how he dies in the story. Well, the change was that because of that change in time and everything, his watch felt responsible. And so as he was hit by the bus, the watch shattered. A segment got lodged in his arm and kept him from bleeding out. And so his life was saved by a wristwatch. 
And that's the last line of the movie. Harry was saved by a wristwatch. Nice. And I was like, okay, that's that's pretty freaking genius. But the literary expert reads the altered version and he goes, it's good, but it's not a masterpiece. And she goes, I'm okay with good. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a masterpiece because this guy's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the world needs more good guys. True. So that's why she decided to save him. But do you think that if she had actively, if she had left the story as it was, do you think that she would have been responsible for his death? Oh. Knowing about it, I mean, can you determine at that point if she's, if she knows uh, truly that she's the one doing these things? If she wrote the manuscript and didn't publish it, who's to say what, what, plot element of the movie said that publishing it made it so it would happen when he heard the narration in the first place the the publishing it wasn't what made it real what made it real was her saying it's done I have finished my story okay and at one point when he finds out who she is and everything um the literary expert actually gets kind of pissed because he had a list of 10 names of who he thought it might be and she wasn't on it. But she has an English accent and he was like, you thought you could have mentioned the accent. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a comedy, but it's a drama as it's well. It's still heartfelt. You know, yeah. it's a hybrid. Yeah. Lots of movies like that. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's elements in it that are really funny. It's all around a very interesting movie. Yeah. Okay. I really dug it. But I just I'm I'm stuck in this moral quandary of if she had continued, would she be responsible for his death? Or is it just coincidence that what she was writing about this guy happened to be true? And therefore whatever happened was going to happen anyway. You know, um JK Rowling could have killed Dobby a thousand times if it all was real and that meant we got the books. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Like first of all, um because you look at it like that now if it was just another subpar book and it was a real person, I don't know. Do we love the characters enough? I want to use Harry Potter as an example because obviously we adore Harry Potter. I think it's easily the most popular book series of uh, the last century, hands down. Oh, easily. Well, but when did Lord of the Rings get published? In the oh, last that was day, like, like century, sixties. Jeez, right. Well, let's say decade then, or like the past two decades. That you know, I mean, nothing defined this genre the way Lord of the Rings did um, until Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter's more relevant. Let's use that. Um, if this actually happened to all of those people, do we love the characters enough to not do it to them? Because it becomes a personal thing, right? And we can kind of like alter that. I don't know if this is where you were planning on taking the conversation in the first place, but when it becomes like just those random like what, 10 people involved, people involved, yeah, it's just kind of like, eh. Yeah. When it becomes Harry Potter and these hundreds of characters that you yeah. suddenly know that are important to you, this community, this place, this you know, um, culture, and then also thinking about the way the book might affect more people because then you're also looking at the quandary of do I save one person or do I save a mass of people? Right. Right? Well, the the impetus of the story is that, and the other part that gets the literary expert pissed is that he's like, I'm familiar with her work, and she kills her characters. She kills them. Her 
her stock in trade is ironic death, pretty much. So, I mean, I would argue with the guy that because she finally saved a character, that is her masterpiece. And saved it in such a way that by making the wristwatch sentient the entire time in the narrative and then being saved by that wristwatch, that would make that her masterpiece. And then how do you look at it as with the time before that? um, How many people has she killed already? Will she be guilty from, you know, will she feel like a murderer all of a sudden and then just be kind of like, well, I already killed all those people. Yeah. I'm a murderer without knowing it. And then she changes her mind or she continues with it. It's really interesting. Well, and I mean, J.K. Rowling has been on the record as saying that she feels guilty for killing everyone she killed in her books just because you know when she was writing Sirius's death she had to stop and cry for like 30 minutes because she was killing this man and i mean that's that's the nature of art you know we these are our creations we make them for us they are real i can see that because as i write sorry to interrupt as i write i get emotional choked up when i think about certain parts because character deaths are large things that move stories too sometimes right yeah so well and they're necessary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're necessary for plot they're necessary for for a multitude of things yeah validation um character development yeah i mean that that was that's george rr R. martin's stock and trade is like oh you're getting attached to this guy mm-hmm. fuck it we're killing him and yeah, you exactly. Know? And you got to think, you know, um, J- something else that J.K. must have been thinking as she was writing it, um, writing Harry Potter, was that um, Harry's biggest mistake that he would ever make in his life is going to the Ministry of Magic. Yep. That fateful night and Sirius dying as a result. Yep. That will always be Harry's biggest mistake in life, hands yeah. down. There can't be anything else. Yeah. And he'll be he'll be reliving that mistake over and over and over again for the rest of his life. Yeah. And that's why in book six, we got a very different Harry than we did in, I mean, we got a very different Harry in book five than we did in book four. Also true. Man, what a, what a character arc. Yeah. Just, yeah. How relatable too. Yeah. I love that. The, the, uh, um, but no, the ramifications of doing that, you know, doesn't make her a murderer. I yeah. Hypothetically, yes, but is it is it murder if you don't know? Yeah, because you're still kill, you're still killing, actively killing someone in the act. Well, and but. at the same time, she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. She didn't plot his death as also true. As it's a, not like Death Note with with Light and Ryuk. Light's like, I'm going to kill all the murderers, and everyone's going to bow down to me because I'm God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in her in her story in this arc, she is. She is God. I mean, mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. is that. But at the same time, she has none of the impact in the physical world. She wasn't driving the bus. She didn't put him at that bus stop. She didn't plan things for him to be at that stop at that time. Well, I guess in a way she did. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is a relatively deep question, which is why I asked it. Anyway. Right. But uh, I don't know that she's... I. It could be argued she's indirectly responsible, but is she directly responsible for this man dying? And would his now girlfriend be justified in exacting vengeance on her if she knew that this was what was happening? 
that would be a highly interesting thing. What if the final book was about the author and she was writing it about herself and it was a biography and she said, I have to stop this now. Yeah. Put myself down. Yeah. I'm a killer. I shouldn't exist. I shouldn't have kids because the kids might have the power. Yeah. That's pretty, it's a pretty interesting idea and just, I, I really dug that movie. I highly suggest you watch Stranger Than Fiction. I spoiled the crap out of it, admittedly, but it's still worth a watch. Still sounds like a w- worth watch. Yeah. yeah I'm sure there's some an, things about it that are still, because it's, you said it's a comedy. You told us about the drama part of it, but you didn't talk about the comedy. So there's still jokes to be had. Oh, in yeah. The film. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's watched. plenty of laughs in the movie that I didn't even touch on. And it's not your typical Will Ferrell romp. It's it's a more serious Will Ferrell. Yep. Almost like this is his his dead poets society. Right, exactly. Almost. Okay. No, and I can I can get that. I feel that. Yeah. Did you guys get to see Hereditary yet though? Not yet. Just out of curious. Okay, I'll just give you my voodoo yeah. password before I go. Okay. And then you can get on there and watch whatever. Okay. I was because that got me. I, I actually need to change my DC Universe password to to our common one so that you might access it. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, and we can do homework together, and we can all have access to it without borrowing eighty things. Cody, you have four of our movies. Watch one. I dare you. <laughs> Please. <laughs> we hope Let's... that's what you're doing today, since you had the day off. Yeah. Slacker. Yeah. Take a day out to slack and do things that yeah. are slacky. You know what? You're getting a twitchy we'll stream next week. going on. You yeah. Know, you might want to take a break from it. Yeah, exactly. Take a break. Take a breather. Stop <sighs> playing Destiny for five minutes. I don't I don't know hours. that he's... I'm he not suggesting you stop playing Destiny do for a day. I'm suggesting you stop playing Destiny for a movie. If you don't want to watch Revenant, don't watch Revenant. That's fine. But Live, Die, Repeat... Oh yeah, you need to live, see die, repeat. repeat. I mean, yeah, you need to see Unbreakable before Glass. Uh, yeah, especially right. Before especially glass. before Glass. Holy moly! So we, uh, the reason I was bringing up and d- talking about the different movies is that, um, what if the same thing like went for movies as well? Like, what if these movies that that people made were suddenly biographical to other people and how they exist? There was another thing I was thinking about is that you know, um, as I was studying the paranormal. Um, back when I actually lived in a haunted house and I was learning more and more about these things. There were things that were said that like, you don't want to say demon names out loud and hereditary gets right into it in terms of like explaining a demon's name yeah, and saying it out loud. And I was just kind of like, you know, like what if these names are not good for it also you know because i watch dark shadows and just i i i think i say beazelbub at least once a month now uh, because it's just a fun name to say <laughs> that's a guilty pleasure movie for me I right dark shadows dark oh shadows my gosh movie. dark shadows uh, this alice cooper woman <laughs> yes who is this alice cooper woman it's too good no that movie's too good 16 also 16 and without a husband when we talk, when we talk celebrity crushes, also the um, actress in that who's in a bunch of stuff, Michelle Pfeiffer, no, nope. Helena Bonham Carter, nope, Chloe Grace Moretz, the bad one. Oh, uh, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, Eva yeah. Green. Eva Green. Thank you, Vesper. In yes. oh man, my wife and I were having the celebrity crush talk a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and um, we were talking about um, she like. Her, wh- she, who is she talking about? I found out she likes douchebags. 
She likes she likes douchebags, dude. <laughs> the Chris Angel conversation didn't tip that one for you. <laughs> Uh, this is this is that oh man this this is what it's like to be charlton heston on the beach seeing the statue of liberty for the first time since getting to the planet of the apes and then realizing it was there all along and the vagina joke to make the point about chris angel i was like the question um, is, what does that say about you, you fucking douchebag? That's true. <laughs> um, no, she likes the bad boys. Well, I can't have an arrogance about me. I learned that when I went to Dave and Buster's this last week. Um, it's your where competitive edge. It's like, That's yeah, what really attracts her to you. I'm not an actual asshole. That's the thing no. that defines like douchebags from people who are just funny when they're cocky. Yeah. You know, is that like I have that edge to me where I will say something and then I'll immediately do it. And if I fail... I just own up to it immediately. There was like uh, what both both Taylor and Brian at the last uh, podcast. Shout out to number one fan Taylor um, and her boyfriend Ete for coming to the uh, hangout on Wednesday. Sorry, I missed it. They. Uh, I would have much rather been there than here doing what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, right. I, for those not in the know, I had a four sick dogs in their kennels that I had to then clean up. That was fun. That was the whole thing. Yeah. But at Dave and Buster's, we're all around the stars, Star Wars battle pod, and Taylor takes a turn, Brian takes a turn. They're like, this is hard. And I'm like, no. Check this out. And I'm going in. They're like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, and I'm like, you put me in the Falcon, I can do anything. Because I remember I played the Star Wars battle pod game, and the first, very first level I played was the only one that they let you play a, a Millennium Falcon. It's a hard level, but it's Death Star 2 in Return of the Jedi. Okay. And boy, is that a blast. And I played it. Oh, where you're making the depth run. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. And oh, man. So fun. And uh, I lost. I beat it the first time, first try. But I lost. And it made me really sad. Uh, the next coolest thing, though, is that. Uh, it was the trigger. I had to, for those of you not watching the video, you're going to want to see this. Um, little both of my fingers. This is the only time I do hair do triggers. Um, basically, yeah. So I had to hair trigger it because the trigger was not um, clicking back hard enough. The game had just been used too much, so the trigger was like not working very yeah. well. So I had to hair trigger to um, release it and get it to shoot faster. Uh, um, because of it was it was just worn from use. Yeah. So um, I didn't beat it even with my hair trigger um, possibility. But I tell you what, that's a good workout, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, for uh, doing things in yeah. the bedroom. If anyone needs it, yep. this is the. It's excellent for when you're you know driving and your lady's riding shotgun. She's got a short skirt on. You just go out there exactly. and do a little running man. Exactly. Finger on either side. Do a little running man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, uh, uh, men that my oh, wife some claw the windows. Anyway, exactly. Celebrities my wife would have sex with. Um, uh, uh, Kit Harrington. He's not a douchebag, is he? Not really. Um, fun. He's John Snow. Fun twist. Um, the woman who plays uh, Egret Rose McIver, I think. That's not Rose McIver. Who's Rose McIver? Is uh, Liv Moore on iZombie? Oh, thank you. That too. Yeah. She would go. Yeah, she would. Yeah, she said she would uh, do her. She would also do uh, whoever played Egret. Okay. Uh, and then there's other douchey characters. Um, D- Jax Teller of Sons of Anarchy. Okay. 
Sons of Anarchy was one of them. There were other like douche characters that she was just like, I don't know what it is about the bad boys that I'm like attracted to. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And we were talking about it. Eva Green was one for me though. And we were talking about Eva Green and she was in a lot of stuff. I don't know what she's in these days. Maybe she's taking a break. She's in a bunch of stuff. She was, um, I, cause she was in dark shadows. She she was was in in Miss Peregrine's school for that was the most recent one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, She was in that, the sin city Mm -hmm. sequel. She was in 300. Uh, she was in 300 sequel. Is the bad guy. Um, y- yes. Uh, should we even be talking about Sarah's tastes? Is Brian's ask a question just now? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It'll be okay. It's completely okay. That's fine. It's not like she's I was going to say, it. didn't we just talk about Christie's man crushes? On the I, last one? I don't know. Like, no, yeah, because of uh, she's totally into Jensen Ackles. Yeah. Who I one. refer to as Ensign Jackals. <laughs> he just jackals all the time. Jackals himself well, so hard. No, it, it's a Star Trek thing. Most of the junior crewmen are ensigns. Oh, right. So I always picture I him on now. the bridge of the Enterprise wearing, you know, the blue outfit. I remember he's a now. scientist or something. I had a curveball. Jackals. I had a curveball for my uh, uh, for my wife when we were talking celebrity crushes because before yeah. it was Eva Green, and then another time it was that one chick whose name I can't remember right now. And then um, you know who's an obvious pick There's is a point of contention. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie scares me. She scares me from a celebrity crush standpoint. I'll be I'll be cutting out a pause there while we're editing, I guess. <laughs> the uh or I'm going to well, leave it in so people know what I'm talking that about. Is anybody that is a particularly good actor? Yeah. Is also shitbag crazy. Ooh. They have to be. Yeah. Just, eh. To be Meryl able to Street? switch your per- Oh god, yeah. Leonardo She's DiCaprio? Like, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio is the this generation's Tom Cruise. True, cuz he also enjoyed getting slapped by Margot Robbie in the audition for Wolf of Wall Street. I still have to see Wolf of Wall Street. You do. Oh man, that was good. But no, Margot Robbie legit slapped Leo. In nice. front of Martin Scorsese in the audition when they were testing. Nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. part of the reason you probably don't have a crush on her is because you haven't seen The Wolf of Wall Street. That could be. But also, if you just Google her on Pornhub, you'll find something real quick. <laughs> How do you know I haven't? Exactly. So, continue. <laughs> yeah, she she's she's a little scary to me because of how good she was Google in it right I, now, Tanya, and then how good she was in Suicide Squad. Okay, yeah. Because let's face it, she was the best part of Suicide Squad. You mean Harley Quinn and the Will yeah. Smith? Yeah, the knots. adventures of Harley Quinn and her friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. But That's what that movie was. I mean, she had to be right. on point, and she was. True. She was an excellent Harley Quinn. She but. could end up being batshit crazy. You're right. Yeah. Uh, to get to the curveball that like totally mystified um, was the actress that plays Shuri in Black Panther, the nerdy funny one. His little sister. Okay. I thought, I thought that was like because I'm not, I'm not racist. We all know this. I right. think she's the first legit like black celebrity that I have been like. She's fun to look at. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And she thought that was really funny too. Like Sarah was like totally like oh okay, and we were like watching it and thinking about it and um. It didn't like throw her off because she was African American either, yeah. but so much is just that like she's kind of like an odd and off character. But I'm like, no, I think 
maybe it's the personality at that point. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely personality at a certain point. Yes, because she's so funny yeah. in that movie, too. So. Yeah, I have to go back and watch that. But it's now on Netflix. Black so Panther. I'm it is on Netflix. Why, why, we should that. even bother buying Disney yeah. movies anymore. Um, Disney oh, streaming service coming out. Yes. But Otherwise known as Netflix. Anyway, <laughs> they're just going to buy Netflix. It's like, why even develop a streaming service when we've already... There's one already right. built, already successful, already rocking. Well, Let's just take it. They own Hulu. After the 20th century Fox, they will own the majority of stakes in Hulu. Yep. But at the same time, they're planning on starting their own service, and it won't be Hulu. But I digress. Yeah. Continue. Well, eventually it's all going to be a Disney conglomerate, let's face it. They're they're just, they print money, and they're going to use that to just buy competition left and right, all the time. Anyway, um... We were talking celebrity crushes. Now, the wife's celebrity crushes, I think we covered. We may have covered. We may not have. But she's got, like, some odd ones. Like Freddie Prinze Jr. and John Travolta. What? Yeah. Well, and recently, Jensen Ackles. Sure. Jensen Jackals. One of those I can understand, and it's not the first two. Yeah. Well, those are, you know, when I first met her. Weird. So... Keep in mind, this this conversation has not taken place for like 14 years. So, you know, we covered the celebrity crushes long ago. And, oh, yeah. That was a long time before never John. never really revisited. Long time before John Travolta has been doing weird nothing. Business. And weird things, yeah. And also what nothing. Massage. Anyway. <laughs> too soon. Too there late. Is no too soon. Also true. Because yeah. that was not, that was a while ago, the whole yeah. massage yeah, boy thing, but whatever, oh, whatever. Yeah. Let them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you had rapid beef to cover. Yeah. Did you say rapid beef? Rapid beef. It's rap beef. Rap beef. I don't. I'm not sure if you hear me. <laughs> yeah. You're just saying rapid beef, aren't you? Uh, I was you talking about Arby's. Rapid. I'm thinking Arby's. Ooh. This show is not sponsored by Arby's. Right. I just. I don't know. I saw a really funny tweet. Where there, where this lady was like, "How does Arby's still exist? I haven't been to an Arby's. Do people still eat at Arby's? What does Arby's even have?" And Arby retweets back, "We got beef, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> Some of the social media of these fast food places is hilarious. The Wendy's one. Oh yeah, the Wendy's. I think there was like Taco Bell and Pizza Hut were wrapping off or something. Yeah. Or like two competitors. What was really funny was that PETA had the nerve to put up something about like killing uh, lobsters and crabs in Maine. Yeah. And they eviscerated. Um, it was like a, a, a local like uh, chain there. Yeah. They eviscerated, eviscerated PETA because yeah. P- PETA obviously is just as shady if not more shady than anyone else yeah. in their extremism tactics. Yeah. But, um, well, and for that reason, they are wrong. For the same reason that, like, I mean, they're a less bad uh, Westboro Baptist Church, basically. Yeah. Um, but I'm surprised we haven't covered Westboro Baptist well, Church. Rap beef. Rap beef, rap beef, rap beef. Yes. There's been a seismic earthquake in the rap beef game. Now, I think some critics, I wrote an I read an article where they were like nothing's happening here, but in all honesty, something massive happened. 
I think there is an unsaid rule that the undisputed king of rap, maybe not the god of rap, maybe not the, uh, um, despite the fact that he has a song called Rap God, um, maybe not the emperor of rap, maybe not the father of rap, but at the very least the king, someone who cannot be disputed with. The current emperor of rap. Is Eminem. Okay. One Marshall Mathers. He, for numerous reasons, is... One of the best rappers alive, if yeah. not the best rapper alive. Yeah. Because but of only how, because Dre says so. It's true. So, you know, he had a really bad album come out recently. He's had such an up and down career in terms of the products he's put out. Yeah. Um, between hiatuses. The last I heard of Eminem was that he got back with the mother of his kid and got pretty heavy into meth. Now that is a complete rumor. It unsubstantiated is substantiated by anything. He's definitely That's not just back the last with thing Kim. I heard about him. Definitely not back with Kim. Okay, but um, that is long said and done. I don't even know what kind of relationship he is in, which is why his surprise album that got dropped, talking about some of his rela- relationship problems, is a complete mystery to anyone and everyone because we don't know who he's dating. It's not in public. Yeah. It's not. We don't know what's going on with him at all. So when he talks about this relationship he's in, it's kind of abusive and kind of crazy. Um, not only in recovery, maybe a little bit in revival. I didn't hear revival. Um, a lot of people didn't for good reasons. Um, and then uh, this last album called Kamikaze. Now it's titled Kamikaze for multiple reasons. It's been less than a year since revival dropped to uh, critical panning. Okay. For being garbage. I tried to listen to it. The first song sounds like mostly Beyonce, and it did not have a beat. It had some kind of like background noise, and it was just him basically acapella rapping and Beyonce coming in occasionally to sing some kind of uh, chorus. It was bad. It was just really, really bad. I couldn't, I didn't even listen to the whole thing because I didn't even care to, even though there was a song with Ed Sheeran on it, which also sounded really cool. And that's cool for Ed Sheeran because Ed Sheeran, the reason he raps on some of his stuff is because he used to have a stutter and his dad gave him Eminem albums to learn the, the words of. Okay. And that helped him stop his stutter. Neat. It is really cool. Eminem three weeks ago dropped a surprise album called the Kamikaze where he does two things, technically three things. The first of which he does uh, he goes back to kind of a Slim Shady style okay. in the album, but what he does there is he pretty much tells all of his fans to fuck off about Revival. And he even admits at one point in the album that he lost two-thirds of his fans because of Revival. Okay. I don't think people unliked him or unfollowed him so much as that people didn't buy that album because everyone knew it was terrible. Okay. The second thing that happened was that he went after... Almost every current rapper in terms of dissing and making fun of. Everyone in the mumble rap genre, which praise his heart because mumble rap is absolute garbage. I don't know why. I think literally it should only appeal to the autistic and the crazy because mumble rap is nothing but garbage. And then the third thing he did was to talk about his relationship, his problems, but and whatever. But he called it Kamikaze because he said if you're not Kendrick Lamar, uh, J. Cole, or Big Sean, maybe one more person, I think, I'm coming after you. So he made fun of Drake, who was exposed for having ghostwriters. He made fun of mumble rap. He made fun of um, some other ones. But he dedicated an entire song to a rapper named Machine Gun Kelly. Okay. Machine Gun Kelly has been around for a little while. I haven't heard a ton of him, 
but boy is Machine Gun Kelly suddenly relevant. I'm going to start from the beginning here and explaining what happened, okay? Okay, good, because I am completely in the dark. <laughs> I know, and this I mean, is why. It will get very interesting, and I promise. Okay, well, you know, just for the record, in case anybody out there was wondering, 90% of rap is horrible to me. I only enjoy about 10% of it, and Eminem is on that list. Continue. It's about lyricism, right? If you have good lyricism, then it's there. You know what I mean? It's, it's about it's what It's about appeals. the total package. It's lyricism. It's the, the, the music art. itself. If I can find your soul in what you're doing, that is true art. Yes. If you're another uh, if you're just looking hood homie famous. looking to fuck bitches and sell drugs and kill people yeah. that aren't your friend, then that's uh, pretty there's, generic there's rap. One re- <laughs> there's only one reason a person is an artist, and that's because... They can't do anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They physically cannot do anything else. It's they true. will make themselves sick. Yep. Okay. So these people that are like, you know, they're out there and they're very good at, say, tax accountant mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're like, you know what? I want to be a rapper. No, you don't. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, Lil Dicky graduated with a bachelor's in like management or something. Oh, cool. Is he a manager somewhere? No. Exactly. Yeah, there he you can't go. do anything else. True. There we go. Anyways, so to uh, get into the MGK I'm swap thing. swap my chair real quick. Okay, makes sense. Oh, you need the better chair, don't you? You're in the bad chair. So uh, nobody nobody goes after Eminem because people, they do not want to get slaughtered by Eminem. Pretty much, yeah. Eminem will lyrically just put you in the ground. Yeah. Real, real fast, real quick. And for that reason, no one has really gone after him. Uh, very explicitly in two decades. Some people have tried to diss him, but um, every time they do, he, they are just ridiculed and they fail. So uh, when Kamikaze was released, he addressed Ma- Machine Gun Kelly, who subliminally went after after Eminem in um, one of his albums in 2012-ish, I think it was. There was a thing. But anyways... Uh, what happened in Kamikaze is he slaughters MGK for talking about his daughter, Haley. At one point in 2012, a picture of Haley in high school surfaced. She was 17 at the time, and everyone was saying, hot damn, Haley has grown up, and she grew up well. All right. She is an attractive woman now. Okay. MGK tweeted that. Machine Gun Kelly. He's a young rapper um, from Cleveland, I do believe. I was listening to his music. He is actually talented. Okay. He is, he is very good. I just feel like he hadn't gone entirely mainstream yet. So uh, he doesn't mumble. He has very groovy beats. And his first album, he actually collaborates with a ton of people. Okay. Um, The first song of which he collaborates with the lead singer of Avenged Sevenfold and the lead guitarist of Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. So he doesn't mess around. He plays with genres and he know he does and he does it well. So again, I'm just, you know, saying that MGK is not really just just anyone as it turns out. So um he says something about Eminem, releases a song, and then suddenly six years later Kamikaze comes out and for an entire two verses, Eminem just tries to go after MGK. He slaughters him. Okay. Now this album releases, and everyone that gets talked about on this album, they go nuts. They're excited. They're celebrating. 
Yeah. I'm going to mention them. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. it's like a rap thing. There is no bad publicity. It's true. So um, there's a video of MGK in a bathroom popping a champagne bottle while in the back around you hear Eminem going, and you know who you are, Kelly. <laughs> you know? And he's going nuts. He's losing it. Because Eminem is one of his idols. Yeah. You know? Um, three days later, MGK releases a song. It is called Rap Devil. Okay. To which there are reactions on YouTube. There are things about this. And MGK slaughters Eminem. All right. He decapitates Eminem. Now, is it in the exact same style? No. Is it as creatively? Maybe. I'm going to say yes, because his lyricism is still notches and notches and notches above your everyday rapper. Yeah. And for that reason, he goes in. Eminem is someone who's laid out. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and he talks about it in his music, the issues he's had with Kim. Yep. The issues he's had with drugs. Yep. um, The worst things that he's had. And while... Kelly does address and say, you might be the, the, you know, the king of rap. You might be the rap god, but now I'm the rap devil. Oh, okay. And he basically lays Eminem out and calls him out. Okay. Starting with, I respect you, but then he goes on to uh, document in the songs that, um, first of all, it took you six years to release a diss on me for a tweet I tweeted six years ago. I've released three albums since then. Yeah. Calm down. Um, I think Eminem set himself up to be hung out to dry by MGK. So um, by the end of the song, he has mentioned multiple things, the first of which there's a rapper named Yellow Wolf who is has a very southern country charm to his music, signed by Eminem. Eminem had one had MGK's verse removed from a song, therefore removing money from his pocket to feed his own daughter, which makes Eminem, honestly, a huge hypocrite. Yeah. Because Eminem just wanted to feed his daughter as a single dad growing up as well. Yeah. So he took, that basically took food out of a blossoming rapper's daughter's mouth. Okay. Um, And in the very last... Uh, uh, lyric of the last bars of the second verse he says hold on a second Um, he tweeted about Haley being attractive he got a call the next day a conference call Um, they're under the same label umbrella called Interscope Records but each of those have their own labels one of which is Aftermath which is Dr. Dre that's the one that Eminem was on Um, and then Eminem has Shady Records Right. and then uh, MGK was on uh, label called Bad Boy Records. Okay. And he was called on a conference call and they said, we want you to, apo- uh, Eminem's pissed and he wants you to apologize for saying something about his daughter, to which MGK replies, the <laughs> the big bad bully, uh, uh, and I'm on the call say, um, saying something, I can't believe it, say it ain't so, the big bad bully of the rap game can't take a fucking joke. Okay. So, (laughs) throughout the rest of the verses, he literally um, calls calls Eminem short. 
okay. calls him old. He uses a verse from, um, uh, I think my dad's gone crazy, the one that Haley sings as a child, the hook yeah. for. He starts the song with that. I think my dad's gone crazy. Yeah, Haley, you right. <laughs> Dad's angry, sitting in the studio yelling at a fucking mic. Oh, geez. <laughs> I just love it. Actually, Brian listened to this with me, too, the other day when we were on our way, but we didn't get around to it because we built Voltron. And yeah. so um, it's been like three weeks since this was released. MGK came right back with a diss, a diss track that no one's had the guts to do in two decades. Okay. He's blowing up on social media. He says in the song, how do you feel knowing all of your fans just found me? Yeah. <laughs> well, it- <laughs> which, you know, um, he tried to have Paul Rosenberg, his manager, uh, shelf him. Okay. To stop him from making records, and he also stopped um, MGK from performing in any of the clubs he owns, one of which is called Shady 45. Okay. It sounds like all of this just supports each other. Mm -hmm. This is all. This is all publicity for both of them. It's true. Whether or not it's real, it is publicity. It it doesn't matter if it's real. Mm -hmm. At this point, it truly does not matter i mean those two could be sleeping in the same bed mm-hmm. and it wouldn't matter. <laughs> yes as long as i mean because i'll be honest with you i haven't heard anything about eminem until about two weeks ago yeah it had been years prior to that that i'd heard anything from eminem probably recovery eminem. but a couple weeks ago i'm seeing eminem everywhere yes Okay. He pulled out all the stops on Kamikaze. I thought Machine Gun Kelly was a type of weapon. Yep. Okay. I had no idea this guy was a rapper until this conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've been hearing about it all over the place for the past two weeks. Yeah. That's what this is. It's this true. Is, and that's what all rap ba- battles are. I mean, yeah. I I watched Straight Outta Compton. This is my... This is my go-to for anything rap-related. Sure, yeah. Just because, that's fine. because I'm not versed in it at all. I didn't really get into Dre until after I saw Straight Outta Compton, to be honest. Right. I didn't get into any of it until yeah. I saw that. Yep. And I was like, this is what started all of it. This here is what started all of it. Yeah, yeah. Because I noticed in in that style of music... Suddenly, everyone's talking about labels, record labels, uh-huh, uh-huh. and I had no idea why. I never understood it. There was a Chris Rock joke about it, mm-hmm. where he makes a joke about you know just take an old, take an old jazz record and rap over it, and all of a sudden you're a rapper. And why the hell are you talking about your yeah. labels? You don't hear <laughs> Jackson Five ever sing about Motown because nobody gave a shit. And it's and he's right. You never heard the Jackson 5 singing about Motown. It's true. It wasn't their label. Pretty much was while they were popular. Yeah. Because they were selling. They were the big cash cow for Motown records. Yeah. But they never mentioned Motown in their songs. Yep. And then all of a sudden, all I'm hearing about is Aftermath or Death Row Records or Ruthless Records or any of this dumb crap. And it was because of rap beefs, rap battles. Yeah. You know, it's just like UFC. Yeah. Where they like throw where they talk 
absolute crap. And then I'm sure after the fight, a week or two after the fight, stupid fly is, uh, yeah, basically I'm sure just like a week or two after they're texting each other. Hey, good fight. What's yeah. up, buddy? How you doing? You want to grab a beer? Like, you know, let's yeah. n- actually be friends now instead of pretending I, like we want to kill each other in real life. I don't know who the fighter is, but there's they'll do like the stare down at these UFC startup things where they're like do the weigh in and then they kind of stare each other down and everything. Just kind of mean mugging each yeah. other and everything. Yeah. The there's one guy yeah. that always screws around. Mm-hmm. With every single one of those. I can't remember his name, but I've watched his YouTube stare downs and they're hilarious. One time he presents his opponent with a bunch of flowers like they're staring each other down and then he just smiles and holds up a bouquet of flowers for the guy. <laughs> hilarious. There's another time where they're like getting like real close and he just goes. Yeah, he kisses yeah. him on the cheek. Yeah. yeah and he immediately gets knocked out. Yeah, there's just and that. <laughs> And it's like he's poking fun at it yeah. in a way that is healthy for the sport. Yeah, no, and that's true. So And I mean I'm not a big I'm not a big sports guy in general and I'm definitely not a big fighting sports mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. Same in particular. I, I think UFC is just softcore gay porn. But <laughs> I gotta be honest, as I look at all of these things and I see like the rap beef between them, the same way that UFC works, you see them fight and then you're like, damn, I just want to see them you know, uh, you see them arguing and talking that crap. I just want to see them fight, and that's what makes the fight so good. I just want a collaboration album now between Emin. I want Eminem and MGK to release a a collaboration album. So bad because they've both pro- proven how good they are. I really hope that in secret, that despite the fact that Eminem in real life has been a literal dick to MGK, I think Eminem deserved to get slaughtered the way he did on Rap Devil. Yeah. Um. But past that, I would love. For for Eminem to be in private, like texting him, be like, "That was legit. We are changing the game right now. We got to capitalize on this somehow." I'm sure that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, and basically, we're we're not seeing it because that's all behind the scenes. Exactly, I'm and then, sure that's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Is it, that is that Machine Gun Kelly just texted Eminem and said, "Phase two complete. On to phase three. Yeah, exactly. And now yeah. they're and yeah. now they're both coming up with their rhymes, their beats, their hooks, and then they're going to get together in the studio and say, "This is what I brought. This is what I brought." It's true. Let's make it true. Uh, Brian, will you make a timestamp at fifty three thirty? Why? Because we called it. No, I want I want to play this for you really quick. Oh no! Please. Oh no! You'll have things to say about it. I should have showed you before we started. How dare you? Being that you know of... You've kept me in the dark this long. I'm showing him... He's looking at my schwans. Showing him Rap Devil, the video. Uh, Trick Trick is a uh, guy in Detroit. So Eminem's from Detroit, right? Yeah. Um, he says, so you're going to call it Trick Trick? I think you're a bitch, bitch. Man up and handle your shit. Is because Trick Trick is a guy in Detroit who owns a lot of the clubs and made a threat to anyone amidst, you know, Shady coming out and being big that if anyone went after Eminem, that they would have problems in Detroit, whether it be gang issue related, shooting, not getting to perform. Um, rap, uh, he, MGK just went through Detroit oh, okay. and said, you guys were great and was rubbing it in Eminem, Eminem's face actively on Twitter. He's on tour. He stopped. He did this all on a tour bus, got off the tour bus to shoot. That's why he's eating cereal. Okay. 
Oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn. All right. I was done talking about it. You had to see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I get Thoughts? it. Thoughts? You get it now. Get you it. really yeah. get it. No, he's got... <laughs> He's got talent. He's got soul. All right. Yeah. I felt what he was saying. I yes. felt it. Yeah. So, yeah. Let alone someone going after the king of rap. Congratulations, like Machine Gun Kelly. You made the 10%. Yes. <laughs> so that was impressive. You want to listen to it again, don't you? Kind of. Yeah. Yep. I kind of want to listen to his other stuff. See what oh, else he it's, does. it's all pretty good. I yeah. actually like it a lot. Uh, the, the last three albums of his, uh, the last three songs of his last album are actually like straight country folk style, too. Hmm. And it's really good. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whatever genre he chooses he wants to do something in, he can actually do pretty well, yeah. which and is very impressive. And that's an artist. That's an artist. That's exactly, that's ex- exactly it right there. Yeah. Like, they just chose hip hop as their vehicle. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hip hop's fun. That's yeah. why. That's why I want to freestyle rap sometimes yeah. in here. That's why I hear beats like um, I'm learning how to use an uh, digital audio production uh, 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 program in my my sound design class. I'm going to play around and start making some hip hop beats. Maybe start rapping. Not show anyone because it's <laughs> gonna be terrible, <laughs> you know. But I miss music, and I'm like, that's a fun way to do it. But yeah, no, there's like these outlets that outlets for these people, and they can do these things. But boy, I. I really, I gotta be honest. I think this is only gonna be great for MGK's career that he it's just be did great this for everybody involved. That exploded. Oh, I'm sure. So, Eminem might be good, but I don't. I doubt he has enough dirt to do MGK the way MGK just did Eminem, which was right in the fucking ass. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you get but, it now. Yeah, I get it. I'm glad I showed you finally. Yeah, <laughs> so I forget can. it. You gotta see it. I understand. Next, Lil Dicky, please go after Eminem. <laughs> it will be well, hilarious. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there is going to be a response, or if not, is it just open season? Managers say he's working on it. Okay. I like the idea of open season, too. Um, and then in an interview, Eminem said he's got more of a bone to pick with MGK than just Haley. Okay. And that he's he has to answer that motherfucker. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's been three and a half weeks since you surprise dropped your album. It took three days for MGK to get back to you and lay you out like no rapper in history has ever done before. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But that's rap beef. That yes. was that thing. I wanted to talk about it. It's just interesting to watch things it's change. So. I think that's the biggest thing to happen to rap. Like um, Avengers is the biggest thing to happen to superhero movies. Yeah. You know, it's real. It's here. It happened. Let's see how things turn out. I was watching the first Avengers the other day. Nice. I went back to it. I was like, you know what? Let's see how this is, how this does in comparison now. Cause it's like, how, how far away are we from the first Avengers movie? Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, 10 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, not ten, but yeah, damn close. Like a solid six. Okay. Yeah. We, we've gotten an Avengers every two year, every two and a half years. Okay. Yeah, and you know, Captain America: Winter Soldier was more of an Avengers two than Avengers two was. But anyway, I was not a fan of Age of Ultron. I know you weren't. I loved Age of Ultron. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't. It didn't even touch the bar that the first Avengers set. But how could it? But Hulk versus Hulkbuster. James Spader Ultron. Vision. Yeah. Plenty of reasons to love it. 
Yeah, and that's the thing you say, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you talk about that, but then you also like lean into the whole part. I mean, I'm sorry. There's still those like oh snap moments. Vision handing Thor the hammer that was the point of the joke in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, that holy crap moment. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think it was much better than people give it credit for because of how they enjoy it. it Maybe not on par, but is it still an eight out of ten? Yes. Avengers was still a ten out of ten. Right. Thanos, the movie was <laughs> ten out of ten. Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, it just felt. I gotta watch that to again. Me. Anyway, but yeah, Brian still hasn't seen Infinity War. I bet. Oh, Brian. Oh, Brian. The massacre. The people that came and went. Eventually, and you don't know. I don't feel well. <laughs> but he knows. I feel so good, Mr. Stock. Continue. That's all right. You'll watch it, and then you'll feel like dusting. Anyway. So, but it it get out the vacuum. <laughs> I wonder how much money uh, Dirt Devils made yeah. <laughs> after that movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I dig it. But, no, just it was it was so awesome the way they introduced everybody. Even those that didn't already have an origin yeah, stated. Yeah, pretty you know, much. They, they brought about the way they brought everybody into the fold. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. didn't really. They, it was easier to do. In, uh, yeah. With fewer well characters. Done. With fewer characters, much easier to do. Right. And then also reintroducing Hulk. Right. In that film. Yeah. But there's still six main characters that they had to bring into the fold and get together. True. But then you've got the whole thing where Hawkeye is a bad, a bad guy first, right? Right. And then you don't have to have, you know, this extra character crammed down your throat. Yeah. But we're still involved in him through Black Widow. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was yeah. just very well done. I was very impressed. And I went there's, back and watched there, it. It holds up. Go back and watch it. There's a reason it. Avengers is up there. Yeah. So. Yes, definitely. So it's good stuff. That's it's nerd archive stuff. stuff. But yes, that is nerd archive stuff. But I'm glad you watched the Avengers but again. I'm very excited because of yesterday, season five of BoJack Horseman dropped. Oh. Now, I started that. And it was funny, but I didn't get very far. It's. It's not so much the humor that keeps bringing me back. It's the subject matter that they deal with. The things that they deal with in that show as far as mental health and mental stability and everything is just, it, it's exquisite the way they do it. I'm glad you talk about that because I did notice that theme in the beginning, but it also said that season five eviscerates itself and has really? reached a new place. Oh, then I'm very excited to get into of, this. You know, yeah. Yes. That, no, season five is definitely getting a lot of good reputation, which is funny because seasons begin, uh, shows begin to falter around season three, four, or five. Well, no, three is yeah. always strong. Four and five. Yeah. Um, six, where it might falter. Well, four but was. Five being a strong season. I haven't heard of a strong fifth season anywhere. With BoJack Horseman, four oh, was. Breaking Bad. But yeah. there's that exception, obviously. Yeah. That's well, just an that's exception. that's where it ended, too, you know. Mm-hmm. You, it's kind of unfair to be like, you know, the last season and the fifth season. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but in season four, there was two episodes that really hit home for me. And one of them was Time's Arrow. And this was an episode where Bojack was taking his senile mother to a, to a home. He was putting her in a nursing home. He had found out that she had been drugging his possible daughter with amphetamines to get her to lose weight. 
without her knowledge. And so he was like, that's it. I'm done. You're going in a home. And he was taking her to a home. But the whole episode is taking place in her mind. And she is going senile. So she is reliving events from her past in her head. But these are all things that she's been referencing the entire season. Like in the entire season, he keeps she keeps calling him Henrietta and referring to him like a nursemaid almost. And he's like, I'm not Henrietta, I'm your son, Bojack. And he he has this tumultuous relationship with his mother anyway. Mm-hmm. So it comes about in this episode that she she had a hard life. She had a screwed up life. Like which is funny because when you look at these things, that's usually how they all end yeah. up. They all, you know, finding out that the bully in, in Stranger Things season two is a complete jerk bag. Well, then you see how his dad treats him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's these things in there that they touch on. But the the referencing of the dementia that she was experiencing. And you see it throughout the whole season. This is like the second to last episode of the season. Mm-hmm. That you see this. And throughout the whole season, she's just senile. She's losing her mind. She doesn't wow. know, recognize her own son or anything. And I had two grandmothers that went through dementia and Alzheimer's and slowly lost their memory and their grip. On They were less and less lucid as time went on. And it made sense that they would skip back other points in their life and so in seeing this episode of bojack and seeing her mental roller coaster it was very powerful for me just with that point of reference i was just like wow this is this is what happens when you when you lose reality all of a sudden, I have a lot more respect for Bojack Horseman for being yeah. able to do that. I actually grew up um, a single child to a single mother, yeah. and a lot of time when things like that happen and you need to go to work and you don't have any place to take your kid, yeah, the kid comes with you. Right. That was often to nursing homes where she would uh, keep me entertained for eight hours either with a Game Boy, a new Lego set, a new uh, action figure. I would bring right, all the right. things. Yeah. But you know what I ended up doing the most? Was hanging out with the residents, yeah, tossing around a balloon. Called it, you know, physical activity time, uh, playing board games, doing puzzles, things like that. And I think that helped me a lot with becoming an outward person, yeah. Um, because a lot of people are scared of the elderly when they get that old, let alone when they're delusional. And my mom worked on Alzheimer's units a lot, yeah. And I remember it became like my responsibility to go find Dottie. Yeah. Dottie would come to the front desk and pace constantly at least once a day crying because she couldn't find her son. Yep. And when I hung out with her, she didn't quite think I was her son. She would still want to you know think about finding her, but I think having a kid my age around her. Yeah. When I was somewhere between 6 and 14 helped her to calm down a lot yeah and it was it was heartbreaking to see it but that's why it became my responsibility even at a a young age i saw the importance 
of relieving her mind. Her yeah. son couldn't be there all the time, let right. alone at his age, who's to say she would have recognized him every time right. without him beating it into her head. Hey, it's me. Yeah. So, so to see that and know that Bojack Horseman can, uh, expertly cover the subject matter in the way they did. Yeah. Makes me want to go and watch it and give them credit. And, you know, well, there's also a reason they're on their fifth season. And yeah. I mean, Bojack Horseman is critically acclaimed in the first place. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. It's obviously a worth watch for anyone. It's just how many freaking animated shows can you watch? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, it's just they can they can do the things that live action just can't, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. it be because they can't afford it. Person can't act it. It's also the technology silly. Technology doesn't exist. Whatever it is, it's silly to watch things in live action um, versus cartoon too. That you can't yeah. do. I mean, when you when you uh, have Peter and Family Guy looking over and 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 going, you guys get a well. Uh, you guys are getting along as well as an old man and a midget. And it's an old man just just at a bus stop with a midget just looking <laughs> over, or a little person, excuse me, just looking over at him, just angry, <laughs> and then going, "Where's the rest of you?" <laughs> <laughs> Would be a little silly to watch in live action, right? You know what I mean, versus that, you know what I mean? Or exactly. Like, Jesus stops, goes, stop it, stop it. Yeah, it wouldn't work in live action. Exactly. There's, there's a suspension of disbelief that happens with animation that doesn't happen with live action, and that's where you can get a lot of that plot development, a lot of that story, and have it be so strong and so believable because you've suspended a little bit of your cynicism. With the animation. That's why adult animated shows are doing so well. That and it's been tested and proven that adults who watch cartoons have less stress in their lives than adults that don't. It's just, you know, there's a level of fantasy there that allows you to decompress. And release. Yep. That makes sense. It's good stuff. But As opposed to watching CSI every night of the week. Good God. I, I'm so tired of the CSI shows. Same. They're just that and they're making police work even more difficult because people are like, well, just run it through the computer. You should have the DNA. It's like, bitch, you know how similar DNA is? You know how specific it has to get? Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I'm not going to go off on that rant, rant, but still, while while we're still on the BoJack Horseman, there's another episode in season four that really hit home for me. And the title of that one was Stupid Piece of Shit. Okay. And this is, while Bojack is surrounded by family, we get a look into his mind, and he is just spiraling into self-loathing. He's like, why would you say that, you stupid piece of shit? Why are you doing this? You're such a stupid piece of shit. That entire episode, I can't watch it again. Because that's what it's like inside my mind. If I'm quiet in some, you know, if I meet someone new, I'm quiet for a while. And it's mainly because, should I say that? No, don't say that. That's stupid, you stupid piece of shit. Why would you say something like that? Yeah. And so it's it's tough for me to watch it again. But when I first saw it, I was just like, oh, my God, BoJack is me. It's relate. It is so highly relatable. I, yeah. But you know, to be honest, I think a lot of people have that issue, right? I'm sure with like impressing someone, um, and then eventually finding 
finding the place where you can do that, right? Yeah. For me, I had such an incredibly hard time doing that growing up with my friends that um, thinking about what to say and getting people to make sure they like you that um, when eventually I came into the, you know, the ability to say the right things the first time that it just has become like a, a roller coaster for me where like I think I just approach people and I've gotten to the point where I just don't give a fucking shit what <laughs> anyone thinks about me the first time. And then if they don't like the things I'm saying to them when I walk up to them, they're not worth my time. Right. Which I'm sure you've come into your own mind too. When Absolutely. In terms of, yeah, that's how you get there. And that's how it comes up eventually. You yeah. know what I mean? That um, anyone is worth anyone's time anywhere, anytime, any place, um, if they're proven, of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's other people that, you know, I personally know that could get hit by a bus tomorrow and I would be okay with it. But um, very few people, of course, but yeah. they exist. And, you know... <laughs> I don't know. Every everyone deserves deserves a shot, and deserves a chance. And when you get to know people and give them the 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 doubt, yeah, you know the the what is that term? Sorry, of the thank you, Brian. Benefit yeah. of the doubt. You might just find someone who you really get along with, yeah, who, who is really worth your time. Absolutely, yeah. There's as you grow up and as you form your mind and everything, you find that line of self-confidence without arrogance. And that's, that's the point you have to hit to interact with people and make new friends and carry on relationships and everything. And we all have that stupid piece of shit moment, I think. Some of us more frequently than others. The late night looking at the ceiling, thinking of this time, like, and reliving the things you wish you said in that moment. Obsessing over the regret of actions taken. It would have been way cooler if I did that while we were there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's still everyone, though. Yeah. It's still everyone, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's lots of fun. So who's top of your celebrity crush list? Of mine? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know about top. I, I think it just rotates. It depends. Uh, from from the the fifth grade through like seventh or eighth grade, I think it was like it was Emma Watson. Because even here's the deal: when I was when I was in fifth grade, I got a little like a little kids edition magazine, readers magazine. Right, it was three pages. It wasn't crap. Yeah. But it was uh, sent to the schools and, you know, and it, there was a picture. There was a, like a, a literal cutout of Hermione Granger in Chamber of Secrets. And that was the first time I was attracted to women. All right. Attracted to anything, I mean to say. Nice. Of course, you know, that's um, I was a little gay slut before the fifth grade. Um, I was, no. um, <laughs> but like, is. you know, but it's that time that you click that you see someone that's attractive. And you're like, yeah. dang, you know, and I always knew I liked girls, obviously. Where you I go from like girlfriends here and there you to girls are like, I, yeah, <laughs> I want to make girls icky. It's weird because, you <laughs> know, my penis. obviously Emma Watson wasn't a complete babe until Goblet of Fire. Okay. And um, a complete legal babe, at least, like you know, in that vein. But <laughs> but I was young at the time. She was she was legal for me because I yeah. was underage too. You know right. what I mean? So uh, she she was within reach. But even then, I saw I saw that, and I was like, whoa! I saw that in the cutout in that episode. I was just like, I was like, that's my girlfriend. I remember keeping the picture in my pocket and continue to looking at it and feeling the swelling feeling of like. Whoa! Yeah. I didn't even know how to how to combat it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just other than to pull it out and occasionally look at it and think, "I want to kiss that girl." Yep. 
I just want to kiss her so hard she gets pregnant. <laughs> and, you know, other yeah. things outside. No, yeah. I knew I knew what sex was at that point. I'm not going to It doesn't matter. We're kids. Kids are that. weird. Exactly. Um, but then past that, I'm trying to think of, like, I... Um, of celebrity crushes growing up. There were just, like, girls here and there um, in the celebrity crush vein. And then as of recently, I mean, I can't say, like, I was talking about the uh, girl who plays Shuri in that. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, who was. Yeah. There you go. There's the There deal. you go. Yeah. Um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen was, was pretty good looking. Um, then before that, Margot Robbie. Then before that. She was witch in Suicide Squad. Cara Devlin. Okay. Got it. Finally. She was in the... I couldn't even finish the movie. Valerian in Thank the City you. of a Thousand I, Planets. I, I gave that an honest try, and I did not finish it because I did not like it. Fair enough. But um, kudos to the way that movie looks. Yeah. Top That's notch. what sold me on that. Exactly. It was like, I want more of mm-hmm. the aesthetic of Fifth Element, but not so much story. Yep. yep Perfect. Yep, yep. So <laughs> I would, Valerian. Yeah. I would have to look at everything um, going along. I always thought that Evangeline Lilly was good looking in, um, in Lost. I thought she was kind of cute. And I then, didn't realize you were attracted to Planks of Wood. Sorry. <laughs> and then um, to uh, to continue backwards, I'm trying to think here. Scarlett Johansson was was kind of a babe, obviously, but they, I don't know. They just come and go. It's just just like because all women, you know, are attractive in their own ways. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean. So I I have a really hard time locking onto a celebrity crush for multiple reasons. The first of which is that like I feel like if I were to get seriously infatuated with one, it would just be more of like a you know. It's like guys with Megan Fox, for instance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like they get infatuated, and then they have a poster of Megan Fox, and it's just kind of like, I don't know who that is. We were talking vintage crushes, and I was like, which of the which of the Beatles? And she was like, they're all ugly Brits. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Sarah. But I was like, if you had to pick, if you were a groupie and you had to pick, she was like, Paul. Obviously, I was like, sweet. I was like, Carrie Fisher in Return of the Jedi. What a babe. (laughs) Are you kidding me? God rest her soul. I miss her so much. But like, oh man, she was totally a pinup babe back in the day. She was like the girl you put on the wall. For sure. Did you see her her, uh, appearance on the Graham Norton show with uh, Daisy Ridley? No. So the Graham Norton show is a British talk show. Uh Uh-huh. It's kind of like a late night talk show. Okay. Where he... But instead of, you know, sitting at a desk, he's got his chair and then he's got a couch and he'll have three celebrities on the couch. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this this episode, I think, was uh, John Boyega. Okay. um, Daisy Ridley and Carrie Fisher. And he was taught there. Of course, they were talking about, you know, Star Trek and um, they were. I'm kidding. They were talking about Star Wars and. uh, (laughs) Carrie Fisher was like, you know, when I was when I was like 24, 25, I would have young men constantly coming up to me and saying, I pleasured myself so much to the gold bikini (laughs) in Return of the Jedi and you in that. And I didn't stop hearing it for 20 years. And she looks at Daisy Ridley, and she goes, so I hope you're looking forward to that. (laughs) I saw a meme. Daisy Ridley's just got this look on her face like, oh, God. 
<laughs> right? I was I saw this meme where it was like things from Star Wars I want to be inside. It was like the Millennium Falcon and it was like places and then it was Daisy Ridley. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> and let's face it, she's just a cheaper Kira Knightley. Oh god. <laughs> oh, oh. Of course now she's Daisy Ridley <laughs> Ray from Star Wars. But at the time she was a cheaper <laughs> Cheaper Kira Knightley. She's a discount Kira Knightley. Oh my god! Not anymore. I'm sure that pay scale has risen I, quite a bit. With yeah, Last basically. Jedi. Well, she was in um, Murder on the Orient Express. Okay. And uh, she did some voice work for a Miyazaki film. I know that. And okay. She narrated another film about like the first um, girl Mongolian hunter, um, falcon owner, falcon hunter. And then she Two was movies in with Falcons. something nice. else. Yeah, basically. Wow. But I don't know. It was still, you know, she's on the rise. And so is John, yeah. John Boyega got to do uh, Uprising, right? Pacific Rim Uprising. Yep. Right now, on this day, they're probably out there somewhere shooting episode nine right now. As we talk about that, yeah. they're shooting a Star Wars movie. Isn't it insane to think about episode nine? Also, just the fact that, like, I never thought seven, eight, and nine would come. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> Yeah, They're ten. filming nine. How is this happening? What? Where do we? What time period is this? Ten-year-old me, his brain exist? is exploding. Twenty-five-year-old mm-hmm. uh, me's brain is a little pissed. Because the last Jedi. No, because after the mess that was was the prequels, they decided to keep going. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Because that's just you know and. That's that's how it was at that point, you know. We yeah. still need to talk prequels at some point. That'll be fun. Yes. Except not at all. This party's over. I just, Said no one in Star Wars it, ever. What were you thinking? It's fucking Sam Jackson, George Lucas being buddies walking. Yo, George, so I want to try. How about if I walk in there and say... I'm tired of these motherfucking separatists in this motherfucking arena. Like, can you tone it down a little bit? This party's over? Okay, it's in. <laughs> I just really want that cut scene from from episode three where set the window's blown out, the emperor's laying on the windowsill, there's Mace Windu with his lightsaber right there, and he's like, Gungan, motherfucker, do you speak it? <laughs> I really want that cut scene. That's, that's really what I want. Uh, Misa Power! <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez, the corniness. Yes. But at the same time, you know, I wonder if he meant to do a lot of that purposely. I don't know. Um, we should not start that conversation. I mean, thank, uh, thank you, Quentin Tarantino, for making it so that Sam Jackson could be the nerd he always wanted to be and just drop into every stinking nerd franchise there is. It's true. I don't. Th- was he in Star Trek? I don't know. No, maybe he's a guest star on the TV show because everyone's done the TV show. I, I mean, did the people show. that come and go from that show are a dime a dozen. I oh, don't. Yeah. I, uh, no one's career was made from Star Trek. No, it was only enhanced, <sighs> with the exception of the you know the ones that started it. Yeah, Nimoy. Yep. Shatner. Kelly. I got to pee. Can you take us home? 
Yeah, let's do this. All right. Thank you for listening to When Daniel Met Rich. I hope you enjoyed us bouncing all over the goddamn place. Uh, find us on all the social medias. Go ahead and Google us if we uh, if we missed it because, you know, or just start this episode over and listen again. I'm sure it's lots of fun. This was so, a good episode. It was lots of you, fun. Even though we were really tangential, this was a really solid episode. I think so. Yes, definitely. So thank you for listening. I'm Rich. I'm Daniel. See you next time.